Good morning. I want to thank you once again for joining us as we are journeying through the Bible. Uh, and we have arrived at the book of Esther. Esther is a unique book in the scripture. Uh, there's a couple of things that are going on with it. Uh, it's unique because it's named after a woman, first of all. That's the first thing you see when you read the title, Esther. It's a very uncommon thing. Certainly, women were not promoted during the time that the Bible was being written. And so here to find the book of Esther, it immediately draws our attention to the narrative that's going to be laid out. The next thing that is very interesting as you read through it is this book is different because it never once mentions God. Never in the book of Esther is God brought up. Now, there are several times where the king, King Ahasuerus, or, or some of you may know him as King Xerxes, he is mentioned all the time, and he is seen to be very, very powerful. And so many people are confused. Well, if, if, if the king, Ahasuerus, is so prominently displayed as being so powerful, why is God not brought up? The reason for it is because as you read through the book of Esther and as you see the narrative, how it unfolds, you cannot help but know that God is in control of every single thing that happens. There is plots of uh, genocide and there is seemingly this huge coincidence that at the plot of genocide you've got a woman who has the ear of the king and can make a uh, can make a pleading to the king to save her people all of these things are clearly evidently the work of god and so even though he's never mentioned you see the sovereignty of god on display and and that is that is something that speaks to us even before we enter into the book of Esther. There are many times in our life where we ask the question, where is God? I have been asked that question very recently. Where was God when this happened? And the reality is that in the book of Esther, you never see the name of God, but you clearly see the work of God. In the same way, in our times of life, the question might be asked, where is God? But when we take a moment to step back and to see the larger picture, you cannot help but see the sovereignty of the Lord in all things. So let's jump into uh, Esther. We're going to be reading uh, chapters 1 through 3 this morning. Uh, it starts off and you're introduced to uh, the king. Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, some of you may have heard. He is not a good king. He's a Persian king. He's a very vile, he's a very violent king. And he has this queen, Queen Vashti, and he desires, when he is, uh, he is drunk with wine, he desires to parade Queen Vashti in front of all of the others uh, there around him, all of his dignitaries. He's wanting to parade her before them so that they can gawk at how beautiful she is. And she refuses. She displeases the king. So he does away with Queen Vashti, which sets up our introduction to Esther. 
the king doesn't just go and finds Esther. He brings in many of the women, many beautiful young maidens, and he has um, he has time where they are made even more beautiful, and they're going to be presented to him, and he's going to see them, and he's going to figure out which queen he wants. And throughout that whole process, Esther is the one who rises to the top. Now, Esther is a Jewish lady who is in captivity. She has been raised by her cousin, Mordecai. He has her, we know that from chapter 2, uh, verses, uh, or verse 7, kind of halfway through it, it says, The young woman had a beautiful figure, was lovely to look at, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So we see this, this young lady named Esther who's been raised by her cousin Mordecai. And they are introduced to the story. You see the sovereignty of God already at work for what's about to happen in the later chapters. Esther is chosen to be queen. Mordecai is working in the palace. He's working at uh, the king's gate. And he hears about this plot to assassinate the king. And he goes and he tells Esther. And Esther goes and she tells the king. And so the king is not assassinated. They investigate it. And we see that he is protected. He institutes or he raises up this man named Haman. And so in the first three chapters, you have the four main principal characters in the story of Esther who come about. You've got the king, you've got Esther, Mordecai, and you've got Haman. And a quick note, whenever this book is read, uh, even today, to uh, Jewish audiences, particularly when children are involved, Every time they bring up the name Haman through this, there is a boo in the crowd because he's so hated and he's so despised amongst the Jewish people. Haman is brought up. He's, he's, a, uh, he's advanced and set above all the officials who were with the king prior. And Haman hates Mordecai. He cannot stand Mordecai because Mordecai will not bow down or pay homage to him. And he's filled with fury. So Haman not only wants to do away with Mordecai, he wants to kill every Jewish person. He wants to wipe out every one of the race of Mordecai. All of the Jews must be killed. And so you see, you see the hand of God already at work. Even though you don't see the name of God mentioned, you see the hand of God at work that Esther has been put in a place and time so that when Haman, this villain, comes into power, you have a woman who has the ear of the queen. You have a servant of God who is uniquely positioned to make, to make a, a plea to the queen, to make a plea to the king to save all of the Jewish people and ultimately to see the hand of God still at work even in the middle of captivity. So 
Tomorrow we'll pick it back up in chapter 4. I hope that this time in the book of Esther has been beneficial. I hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing you again in the morning.